to Bollywood is for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. This week we're going to discuss three romantic films from director Imtiaz Ali. First up, Kareena Kapoor and Shahid Kapoor in the modern classic Jab We Met from 2007. Then 2009's Love Edge Cow featuring Deepika Padukone and Saif Ali Khan. And finally, the recent Tamasha from 2015 also featuring Deepika Padukone and Ranbir Kapoor. Welcome back, lovers. We yes. hope that you have been enjoying, you know, a romantic February. Mm-hmm. We're here again with another episode focused on love and love stories. One of the things that Bollywood does oh so well. Better than, I think, any other film culture. Yeah. They certainly have perfected the romantic comedy in a way that Hollywood has seemingly forgot about in the past 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. But these are all... What I would say, unconventional romances. Or maybe not unconventional, but none of these three films are straightforward in their path to romance, which we will discuss. But first, Matt... I don't even know what a movie that's straightforward in its path to romance would look like, so you'll have to delve into that more. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's not so much... We'll we'll get to this when we we discuss these films, but it's not as much of, like, you know, the meet-cute and then they bicker and fight to the point that they love each other. There's a lot... I think there's a lot more going on in, in all three of these films. Sure. That but, kind of sets it apart. Okay. All right. Um, but first, Matt, we have a new review. All right. Thanks. And, and you're going to read this one for us, right? Thank you, reviewer. Mm-hmm. This comes to us courtesy of Shah166, who says, As one of those oddballs who has grown up on Bollywood films to the point where they taught me a whole other language... I considered myself to be a not moderately knowledgeable person when it came to that industry, until I heard this podcast. Aaron and Matt not only have the in-depth knowledge required to introduce others to Bollywood movies, but their exceptional ability to present the films by relating them to other works of world cinema and literature is matched only by their natural chemistry with one another. Wow. Uh, must subscribe podcast for any cinephile, Bollywood fan, or otherwise. Well, thank you, Shah166. That's very nice of you to say. I'm pretty sure that's Shah Shahid of the Split Screen Podcast. Well, if I'm is. wrong, I apologize, Shah, but I'm pretty sure that's you, and thank you so much for the review. We yeah. appreciate it. Thanks so much, whichever Shah you turned out to be. If uh, you would like to be cool like Shah, uh, leave us a review, and mm-hmm. hopefully a five-star rating, and let us know what you think of the show, um, and... What you take out of our conversations. And yeah, you can always catch us on Twitter if you're interested in uh, us maybe doing an episode. If you have an idea for something mm-hmm. you think you'd like to hear about, or at least hear us tackle, let us know. We'll, we'll tell you our Twitter credentials at the end of the episode, but uh, if you think of anything, hit, it, hit us up. And this episode was uh, requested by a listener by Manish Chanda. I hope I got your name correct. Um, he wanted us to talk about MTS Ali, who was someone we were all, was already on our radar. We wanted to do a show about, and it was just, we were just waiting for Tamasha to become available. Yeah. And now that it is, here we are. Mm-hmm. So MTS Ali began his career in television before moving to Bollywood. His debut film, Sosha Na Tha, was a box office failure, but was critically acclaimed. And that gave him the kind of... The juice? The juice, yeah, to uh, to make Jab We Met, which was a huge critical success. Mm-hmm. In addition to the three films that we're discussing, he's also directed Rockstar from 2011 and Highway from 2014, a film that we referenced uh, a number of times in our last episode about Ali Abad. And we've seen Rockstar as well. Both of them are pretty good. Yeah. Especially seen, Highway, yeah. We've seen all of MTS Ali's films at this point, with the exception 
exception of yeah. Sosha Natha, which I hear is also very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't, unfortunately, I couldn't find a copy in time for this episode. So we're legally, still, yeah, we're still on the lookout for a legal copy of that film. Um, I think Imtiaz Ali is a really interesting filmmaker. Uh, I think he's all right. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, I have noticed over all five films that we've watched of his that he's always interested in how people repress themselves in their modern daily life and how that holds them back from kind of fully realizing their dreams and desires and and essentially happiness. Yeah. How kind of conformity and repression is stifling. Yeah, I mean, that that's a fairly common theme across art in general, though. I mean, like, what I... But he's built his entire kind of signature on it. Yeah. Apart from, again, again we haven't seen Sochanatha. Apart from uh, Highway, generally the main character is a male. And it's usually someone, like you say, frustrated, but also someone who is wishing to be an artist. And mm. I get a lot of... Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe uh, Imtaz Ali is uh, attempting to display the artistic process in a way that, while you don't always like what the characters come up with, I think this is definitely something that comes up with uh, Tamasha, um, you do kind of have to respect the fact that they go out of their way to become artists and leave the shackles of normality behind. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, that, that, that's, a, that's a big part of his... Uh, over as far as we could see is people trying to um, make art and connect with people, connect with other people. Yeah, I think there's a strong um, kind of through line in his films that these these people who are repressed and trying to break free do so because they find someone uh, who allows them to be themselves. They find like a suitable partner, a a, a lover who brings out the best in them. And because of that, they're able to break free from this, these societal pressures that are holding them back. At the best, this is a Randy Puda in Highway who, by virtue of kidnapping Alia Bhatt, actually gets her to deal with some of the memories she's repressed in her life being a privileged young person. But at the worst, it's kind of a manic pixie dream girl situation. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Which, I mean, that that term was not in the common parlance when these earlier films were out. I think. I mean, that's a fairly recent uh, term. Um, it was coined for Cameron Crowe's Elizabeth Town. Yeah, but it was in a review. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't right when it came out. It was uh, Nathan Rabin looking at it later on, was it not? Uh. No, it's in. I'm pretty sure it's in his his initial review of Elizabethtown, which is um, about uh, 10, 10, 11 years old now. Okay, so and it's like Jab We Met would have come out after. Like this might have not been something in uh, Indian critical thought as much as it is in Western, but yeah, it is something that I feel like at least Hollywood is trying to get away from, or if they do, they're trying to subvert it somehow. 
Yeah, with, I mean, mixed results. I mean, sometimes you get your 500 days of summer, but other times you get your ruby sparks. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, that term was coined uh, to describe Kirsten Dunst. I think people often think of, like, Natalie Portman's character in Garden State. Natalie Portman <laughs> or uh, Zoe Deschanel in every movie Zoe Deschanel has been in. Well, but she suffers it beautifully in 500 days of summer. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the most underrated Zoe Deschanel movie. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never seen Elf, so... You have seen Elf. You've no, been in the I've never room seen with Elf. me when I watched Elf. That doesn't mean I was you have literally watched Elf. Elf has beamed itself into your eyeballs. Whether or not you were paying attention, that's another story. I, but you I, have seen it. I have no recollection of having seen, in quotes, Elf ever. Anyway, that's a bit of a digression. Yeah. But Aaron has seen Elf. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, have you noticed any other kind of uh, stylistic... Uh, directorial signatures with Ali's work? Um, I guess specifically in Highway and Tamasha, he uses handheld camera in a way to get at intimacy between two characters in a way that's mm-hmm. very appealing. Mm-hmm. He's also really good at, uh, let's say, like road trip shots. Yeah. There's a lot of people driving in cars, and it's not... It's not a race or um, Fast and the Furious style, like, look at me, I'm cool driving a car. It's more of a... Naturalistic. It's naturalistic and it's more of an expression of the characters wanting to break free again. Yeah, I think one of the things that really strikes me about MTSLE's work, um, even in his less successful films, is there's a way in which uh, he manages to externalize what is internalized in the characters. And so I find that the film itself, you know, the the camera shots that he's using, the cinematography that he's using, the action, is all about bringing out the internal lives of the characters. He's also very good at showing the passage of time very quickly. Well, something I'm really impressed by him. In a way that can be a little bit confusing, too. I mean, he does yeah. have little notes popping up, but especially in Tamasha, the font on those is very small. <laughs> and it wasn't until I watched uh, one of the music videos again, which we'll, we'll get to that song in a moment, because I did like the song a mm-hmm. lot. But I wasn't exactly clear how much time had passed between um, Rambir Kapoor and uh, Deepika Padakone's meeting in Corsica. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was like three or four years. I think it's almost ten, actually. Okay, well, I yeah. I was completely off base on that, but yeah. I actually was a little bit confused by that. Yeah, I I don't know, but I think there's also a way because it's in which... not like she looks older. She looks about as good as she always does. Yeah, Ranbir Kapoor looks older. Ranbir Kapoor grows a terrible um, goatee, <laughs> like a Van Dyke. It looks bad. I agree with you, but I don't think that that's an issue because I, to me. His filmmaking is a lot more intuitive and natural than that, where the passage of time doesn't need to be concrete in that we say, like, oh, it's been this many years. It's more about how the characters have felt that passage of time because, I mean, you don't feel, you know, years, like that quantitative number in... The same way that it looks on paper. Yeah, it's more it's more of a feeling, and I think that's what he that's what he evokes, and that's what he's very good at. I feel like maybe we shouldn't have started with his best movie. Yeah, because everything kind of feels a little bit of a letdown after that. Yeah, and speaking of course of Highway, which we mm-hmm. watched 
first out of all of these. And on a skipped library DVD, by the way. <laughs> so that was extremely frustrating. Yeah, it was. That that disc didn't start skipping until about like an hour and a half into the movie. And Matt and I already had tears streaming down our face. We were really invested. <laughs> and then the movie stops. Oh, yeah. libraries. Um, once again, we're not discussing Highway in this episode, but we have discussed it so much over the past two that uh, if you haven't checked out Highway, we highly encourage you to. Ali Abad and Randy Puda are both phenomenal in it, uh, and it's a really interesting and evocative and progressive story that I don't think I've seen from any film culture in a lot of It's sort of time. like a serious version of the 90s classic Excess Baggage <laughs> okay. featuring what, Ewan McGregor and Alicia Silverstone, I right? don't think it's Ewan McGregor, but it is Alicia Silverstone. Or was it Benicio Del Toro? I think it might have been. Right, romantic leading man Benicio Del Toro. Anyway, uh, enough of these jack and apes. Let's talk about uh, Jab We Met. Yes, why don't you uh, set us up for Jab We Met, Matt? Sure. Well, Jab We Met, as uh, mentioned before, 2007. And it is basically a screwball comedy of the type that Hollywood stopped doing around the time that the production code uh, went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the idea behind a screwball comedy in the 30s was here's a romantic relationship starting to develop. And since we can't show them, you know, physically... Um, making this relationship come about in the way that they often do. They instead, it focused on kind of wacky events and uh, uh, specifically dialogue that's really catchy and snappy, mm-hmm. and you really get a sort of battle of the sexes type thing. And I found The Jab We Met, which um, features Karina Kapoor and Shahi Kapoor, um, does fit into that classic archetype. Yeah, MTS Ali even won the uh, Film Pro Award for Best Dialogues. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, they're funny. For this film. Like, yeah. they, he has a really good um, point, uh, you know, straight man in Shahi Kapoor, mm-hmm. and then Karina Kapoor is allowed to be comedic in a way that I don't think she gets to do a lot. She's generally the you know kind of beautiful one or the sad one. Or Pooja, whatever, whatever Pooja was. Um, she's gener- she was the shit, Matt. That's why they call her Poo. Have yes. you guys seen that internet meme? Yeah, but like in this, she gets to be a you know snapping, a snappy dialogue, you know, wacky adventure heiress type person that uh, you know a Myrna Loy or Carol Lombard would have been back in the thirties. Very good. Spoiler alert, I like this movie the best of the three we're going to talk about today. Yeah, and this might be my favorite Karina Kapoor performance. She is so... I mean, I feel like being around her in real life would potentially be exhausting. But the way she comes up on screen... The character of Geet, Mm. uh, not Karina Kapoor. (laughs) I don't think Karina Kapoor... I think she'd be pretty chill. Um, But I think the character... If she wants to come on the show, we could find out. (laughs) Karina, if you're listening... Come on down. Um, but I think the character of Geet, like, at first you think she's going to be, that she'd be exhausting in real life. But, you know, as the film goes on and, you know, more layers are added to her character and you begin to understand her more, I think you really come to empathize with her. Yeah. Where at first she just seems, like, very overbearing and kind of yeah. scatterbrained. And again, like, a, you know... We talked about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl uh, at the top of the show just a few minutes ago. And I think 
this might be kind of one of my favorite Manny Pixie Dream Girl representations because it's it's almost like Cleo de Saint Cassette, uh, the Agnes Varda film. Whoa! Where <laughs> hold on, <laughs> you're gonna have to really explain this one because Jabway Man and Cleo de Saint Cassette. I don't really know a lot that they have in common, so please continue. Okay, well, it reminds me of... Classic French New Wave film from the 60s. Very experimental and... Very experimental? Is that that experimental? For an average person, pretty experimental. And also for its time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go on. It's this film set in two hours. Here's snappy dialogue for you, if that's what you wanted from this episode of the podcast, too. We've got some right here for you. Okay, it's... Uh, this film set in two hours of this pop star's life after she is told by like um, a tarot card reader that she's going to die and that she doesn't have long to live. And the film, ultimately what happens is that she starts out objectified at the beginning of the film and by the end of the film she becomes the subject. Sure. That is one of the biggest thematic points of Cleo de Sanca said. It's also a beautiful film. I love it. Um, yes, Jadmi Red is a very, very different kind of film. But That's I think, what you were saying? Okay. I think yeah. it performs a All similar right. feat where at the beginning of the film, Karina Kapoor's Geet seems like this overbearing and kind of... Motor mouth. Motor mouth, objectified type I don't know if she's Punjabi objectified girl. so much. Well, I mean, she's... Not, not by the camera, anyway. Not necessarily by the camera, but, I mean, certainly by all the men hanging around the train station. Yeah, but those are also train station hooligans. <laughs> I mean, they're going to objectify anyone who's around. But she's also, like, a force in uh, Shahid Kapoor. He plays a character named Aditya. Well, we should, he, we should just explain the story. Yeah, but let me finish my point first. Okay. She's a force in Aditya's life to to move him. She's a plot device for him. But she by is the, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah, yes. That's, but yeah. by the end of the film, she becomes the subject. Yeah. By the end of the film, she is given depth. Yes. And you and you begin to empathize with her. And I think that's like that's one of the strongest elements to this film that I one of the reasons why I admire it so much. Okay. Now I'm gonna take people through the story. Yes, why don't we explain So Shahid Kapoor plays Aditya Kashyap who is the son of a wealthy industrialist. No, we don't know this right away. All we know right away is he seems pretty well off. He's driving a BMW. He's nicely dressed. And he's sad. He's very sad. He's so he, sad. He, he, he drives to a woman's wedding and meets her. They say nothing, which I really appreciate it. Like, I, I don't need to know about the girl who broke his heart. It's, it's always the same story. Who cares? Yeah. So he's essentially given up on life. In kind of another um, screwball comedy type thing, he's just... Decided, yep, I can't go on anymore. I'm just going to kill myself or just wander around. I don't care. He, he wanders onto a train leaving Delhi. No, they were in, were they in Delhi? No, they were in Mumbai. Yeah, it's the, going it's to a, Delhi. It's a, it's a Mumbai to Delhi train. And he just kind of sits down in a chair and uh, in walks Karina Kapoor's Geet, who is extremely talkative, going back to her hometown, which is kind of a smaller Punjabi village. She's a Sikh. And uh, she is hoping to elope with her boyfriend, Anushiman, I think? Something like that, He's yeah. kind of a beefy um, guy that uh, Kajol was going to marry in DDLJ <laughs> type. Yeah. Anyway, uh, along, the, along the way, Aditya tries to kill himself by essentially jumping out of the train. And for some reason, the vehicle scenes in this movie are done with models. 
And I can't tell if that's a budgetary constraint or if it is a artistic license type thing because it's kind of disconcerting to begin with and then I kind of liked it by the end. Yeah. It's almost like uh, Casa de Mi Padre, the uh, uh, Will Ferrell movie, which every every sort of opening shot is on like a uh, almost Micro Machines level of like small cars driving by things. You're getting a lot of good film references Yeah, we today. hope you appreciate far-flung film references from excess baggage to French New Wave to Casa de Mi Padre. Yeah, but uh, anyway... Um, they, through a series of circuitous events, they get off the train, they, uh, engage in an exciting taxi car ride, he is saved from the predatory advances of train yard hooligans, um, and Aditya kind of falls for her, and he gets over his girlfriend or whoever it was. His depression. Yeah. And then he goes to meet her family, and essentially... They talk, take off in the middle of the night, and she goes off to meet her boyfriend, and he goes home. And he is inspired by this to live his life and be more exciting and take chances. Yeah. His father has just died, so he's in charge of the family industrial concern. Some sort of telecommunications business again. Yeah. And he he's gets- not rolling up his shirt quite like, I think, the heads of telecommunications Organizations are supposed to. Yeah, his shirt sleeves. Yeah, yeah. He's no. Got to get on he's that. He's no Amir Khan in that respect. But uh, he he comes up with the great idea of a calling card for those who like to talk more, <laughs> called the Geet. Yeah, it's like an India wide calling card. Um, I think we'll leave it there as we we don't want to spoil the film. But um, his kind of run in with Geet does not end. There. Yeah, but there is an interesting sort of. Um, I guess, inversion of the story as eventually Geet starts taking on the uh, um, personality traits that he is showing at the beginning and Aditya has become a much more happy person and tries to cheer her up Mm -hmm. the way that she did for him before. So it's it's a fun inversion on the kind of go to your girlfriend's parents' house and, you know... Pretend that you're not dating her. All that, all those sort of classic uh, farming, uh, farming marriage movies, like <laughs> just a mansion out in the middle of nowhere. There was a bunch of people, and the romantic hero was there, kind of causing trouble. <laughs> yes, yes. I really love how this film shows how people who seem happy, who project um, kind of a sociability like kind of a, a certain adeptness with social, being social mm-hmm. um, and who kind of seem to always be trying to cheer other people up and like they have their life together and they're just like, you know, they're so high energy and they're happy that those people can also be sad. They can also suffer from depression mm-hmm. that just like what you see on the outside of a person isn't necessarily the whole story. Mm-hmm. And conversely, Shaki Kapoor seems like a broken down man, but that doesn't mean that he has to stay that way. That doesn't mean that yeah. he can't he can move past that. And so I, I really appreciated that narrative throughout the film. I thought that was, I thought that was really important. And I do think that is unique for a romantic comedy. Like I, I don't think I find 
a lot of times in romantic comedies, characters stay very static with the exception of kind of, you know, the man getting over whatever his issue is, his commitment phobia to, to be with the girl. Like, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily see kind of changes on this level, this deep kind of emotional and mental level. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's entirely out of the ordinary, but um, this movie... I don't think this is just surface. Like, this yeah. this movie is not just kind of like a surface love story. I think there's some real kind of no, it, meaning behind it. Yeah, it, it's an enjoyable movie, and I can see why it caught on with audiences. Yeah. Uh, I liked some of the musical sequences. They were good, but... There's uh, one shot... Um, so this film is mostly shot in kind of the northern Indian region, in the Punjab region, and then also um, kind of in, in Shimla. Shimla. And there's a song, song sequence uh, shot in the Himalayas that is kind of astounding. Yeah, it's kind of got uh, <laughs> Nepalese fashion mm-hmm. and background dancers and stuff. Interesting to see and also someone reminiscent of Highway. There's also some beautiful... Highway um, and Bang Bang, oddly enough. Yeah. There's also some beautiful kind of like just driving montages that yeah. with, with a good song. Ali is good at those. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very enjoyable movie if you like classic uh, uh, screwball comedy, if you want a movie that kind of approaches depression in a way that has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and, you know, screwball, wedding hijinks, always entertaining for a Bollywood film. Mm-hmm. Um, and though this film was a big hit in both India and overseas, um, it actually came out two weeks before Sawaria, which, why have we seen Sawaria, Matt? Oh, well, we're going to be on the top-rated Edmonton podcast, The Movie Jerks, where, um, now I think the format of their show has kind of changed a little bit, because the last time I was on, you picked a movie that you kind of liked, but also realized was really bad. Yeah. And you kind of sort of, not tortured, but kind of, a, like, annoyed the other, like, the hosts of the show, uh, J.P. Fournier and Sean Gramiak. You made them watch a movie that you begrudgingly enjoy, and then they did the same to you. But I think now, I mean, they've done hundreds of episodes. Yeah. They're probably just running out of movies. But uh, we're watching Sawaria, which we'll get into that in that episode, so we'll put a link to it in all of our social media. And we are making them watch Veer. <laughs> The uh, Salman Khan uh, um, <laughs> passion project. Passion project about weird Victorian era cars and uh, <laughs> all kinds of crazy crap. Land pirates. Yeah, uh, Veer, very entertaining movie. We're not going to talk about it, but that's why we watched uh, Sawaria, which yeah. we will have more to say on that show. And I don't bring up Sawaria just to plug our guest appearance on the movie jerks, although that is a. That is a nice Check us segue. out on the Movie Jerks, which we'll be recording in, in a couple days. Yeah. Um, but this film came out two weeks before Savaria, so it was doing well at the box office and then kind of got um, booted out of cinema screens because Om Shanti Om and Sawaria came out and they came out on the same day. And then Sawaria bombed and so Jack We Met was brought back hmm. because everyone loved it. And Om Shanti Om is awesome. Yeah, I mean Om Shanti Om was untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> it has Shahrukh in it. But I, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised seeing the film. I think you know this this really is kind of as charming as Hindi cinema gets. Mm-hmm. You know and. 
we have praised Karina Kapoor's performance in this. She did win the Film for Award for Best Actress. Yeah, Shahid Kapoor is good as well. I mean, he's not like sexy Shahid Kapoor though in Shandar. No, he's not sexy like Shahid Kapoor. Like he's not floppy hair. Yeah, he he's sort of what I would assume '90s Shahid Kapoor was like if Shahid Kapoor <laughs> was this age in the '90s. He's he yeah. wears horrible suits. That is something I'll take from his performance, and uh, like. You know, he's he's kind of an affable Dean Cain-esque guy in, in this movie. But, uh, yeah, I, I much prefer wacky Shandar Shahid Kapoor or serious uh, hater Shahid Kapoor. Yeah. Well, I, I think I just prefer, like, a shorter haircut and um, abs. Yeah. I mean, it takes off his shirt a couple times in this, but it's not the event that it offers. No, it's, it's, not, it's not Shandar taking off his shirt. Yeah. Sure. But, I mean, he's still he's still charming. And this film both kind of boosted Karina Kapoor and Shahid Kapoor's careers. Do you no relation, by the way, for success. people who don't know about them. No relation, yeah. but they were uh, a couple for a very long time. And actually, this was their fourth film together, and they broke up during the making of it. Well, that will not be the last we hear <laughs> of that sort of story coming up. Because, of people breaking up. Yeah. We got yeah. a little bit more of that to come. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think that takes us to Interval, Matt. Yeah. So we will be playing uh, Here to Badi Sat High. From Tamasha, the last film we will be discussing in this episode. And um, this is... Do you want to explain the the song? We'll get more into that when we talk about Tamasha, because it is tied to the story of that movie. But it's it's a song about a, uh, a uh, popular Punjabi tragic romance and how mm-hmm. uh, the woman in the relationship is very, very sad. And she's also very, very mad, mm-hmm. which you're going to hear about in a second. And this was uh, composed by Era Raman. Yeah. Welcome back, lovers. That was the song Here Tobadi Said Hi from Tamasha. Well, we're not going to talk about Tamasha right away because we have one more uh, sort of romance movie to get through before we get to the latest one from Intaz Ali, which is Love Edge Call, which in English means love nowadays. And we were meant to say say this before, but uh, Jab We Met means when we met. And Love Edge Cow, Love Nowadays, is somewhat of an indicator of what the story is about for mm-hmm. this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deepika Padukone and Saif Ali Khan star as a couple. They're mm-hmm. in London. We see them kind of in quick succession meet, have a you know happy romance, and then... For a couple of years. Too. For a couple again, of years, yeah, very Again, quickly. I find it very difficult to find gauge how much time has passed, but it's been at least two or three years. Oh, see, I like that. I find those scenes just like they wash over me. And I, I mean, just, it's, I feel like I get an impression yeah. of these characters and their lives. I like, I, I mean, I like it better than a long drawn out, um, you know, story of their life with, you know, checking in on a newspaper or something like, oh, it's 1997 today, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was a little bit more indicator of how long things were yeah. taking. Anyway, go on. And so we kind of flash 
forward very quickly until Topeka Patacone and Saif Ali Khan are making a decision on whether or not to stay together. Mm -hmm. She is going to go back to India to restore slash paint frescoes. Yeah, very noble and uh, very movie profession. Yeah. It's like being an architect, which... (laughs) Is what Saif Ali Khan does. And he has... Uh, aspirations of going to San Francisco and being part of like the Golden Gate Company. I'm not entirely sure what the Golden Gate Company does. I mean, they've already from, got, they've already got the bridge. So from the bridge, maybe they'll do bridge-inspired things. I, he he has a bridge on his wall. He made a bridge out of like popsicle sticks in his house. He is very focused on bridges. Yeah, he loves bridges, but we don't really know what the Golden. I mean, the bridge already exists. Like all we know is, I'm that sure they, it needs maintenance. They do but... have a weird office in San Francisco, which is reminiscent of the horribly designed office in Jab We Met, which is a large uh, circle desk that everyone sits around like it's Doctor Strange Love or something. Yes. So because Saif Ali Khan and Topeka Padukone want to They're pursue... They're very modern people. Exactly. Very modern. They want to pursue different careers. They have different goals in life. They decide to split up and they throw a breaking up party. Mm-hmm. Very amicable breaking up party. And them splitting up does not impede their friendship in any way. You'd think. But Rishi Kapoor, who plays this older kind of like Sikh cafe owner. He's very uh, he's very interested in the relationship for some reason. Yeah. He he becomes friends with Saif Ali Khan. And after Deepika's left. After he drives Saif Ali Khan to the airport. Yeah. And he starts to take an interest in the young man. And he takes who, an, exactly. Who is like 35 years old at the time of this film. So yes. he's not a young man. <laughs> yes. And he recounts his own love story back in Delhi about how he risked everything to be with the woman he loves. And so back we in the 60s, yeah. flash back to the 60s and we see Saif Ali Khan playing Rishi Kapoor's character and playing out that love story. So there's kind of two timelines within this film. Yeah. And so, and periodically throughout the film, as Rishi Kapoor tells his story, we flash back there. Well, wouldn't you know it, Saif Ali Khan and Topeka Padukone potentially aren't as happy being separated as they thought they would. They both try and, you know, pursue new romances. Saif Ali Khan starts dating a Swiss girl. Yes, who who doesn't speak Hindi. and Doesn't speak Hindi and also doesn't really speak English. Yeah, she's kind of the butt of jokes. I mean, they're just talking Hindi in front of her constantly and saying things about her and she has no idea. And Deepika Padukone starts uh, dating her boss. Terrible idea. Don't do that, Deepika. Don't date your boss. And when Saif Ali Khan's girlfriend, his Swiss girlfriend... Wants to visit India. The Terrible idea, Cyberly Khan. Don't bring your new girlfriend in. The two of them go there, and he spends the entire time hanging out with Topeka Padukone. And she seems like perfectly fine that she has traveled to a foreign country with her boyfriend to just like entertain herself. Well, uh, spoiler alert, she does dump him upon returning to London. So, um, it's does not... she dump him or does he dump her? I don't know. No, it no, seems... she dumped him because oh, okay. she said, you know, basically, um, Look me up when you figure out what you want to do with yourself. Oh, yeah, that's true. She does dump him, yeah. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile... Saif Ali Khan also gets mugged. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, Topeka Padukone uh, gets engaged and gets married to her boss, but also starts to realize that this might not be what she wants. And so Mm -hmm. the two of them have to come to terms with being, you know, across the world from one another and unsure, you know... 
if the other one feels the same way. And I mean, it's a rom-com. We'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can figure out what happens. Um, I, I did not like this film as much as uh, other MTS Ali films and certainly not as much as Jab We Met. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think Saif Ali Khan and Topeka Padukone have any chemistry. No. And had I seen this one first, I wouldn't believe that Imtiaz Ali had a highway in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very um, straightforward. And the idea of the different timelines, there's no surprise in either of them. No. Like, it is just kind of an excuse to see, uh, you know, set design and old clothes. But there really isn't a huge resolution that needed this concurrent story. I feel like the film is trying too hard. But I will say that the the kind of Rishi Kapoor storyline does have a nice payoff with a, a friendly from Nietzsche Singh, his actual wife, which I really liked. That's, but, that's like an actual... That felt like the only genuine moment in this entire film. And maybe it's because they're actually married. But I don't know. Yeah, it felt really sweet. It's like... Um, uh, hanging out with Rishi Kapoor gives Saifa Ali Khan any ideas apart from you should go find your girlfriend. Yeah. Like it's the the distance has grown between, you know, Delhi and wherever Rishi Kapoor was living earlier and then London and India and then eventually San Francisco and India. But it really, like, there's no um, payoff. Um, and it's also a curiously uh, sedate movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of it takes place as... Saif Ali Khan is sitting around in uh, Rishi Kapoor's coffee shop, just hearing a story, and and a lot of telephone conversations. And I mean, it almost seems how like much the, chemistry can these two people have when all they ever are doing is talk like skyping? Well, it seems like the sort of movie you could have done in and out every now and then. Like if um, Deepka was probably obviously working on other movies at the time, it, it felt like she was in the movie a lot less than she needed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, you can only have Saif Ali Khan mooning around so much until you forget, you know, well, why is he actually so sad? We need to have them interacting with each other. And an accelerated courtship in the first five minutes of the movie, I think you need a bit more than that. Yeah, it doesn't establish the connection between the two of them. And I mean, I should say, I've seen some films that do an excellent job of uh, connecting, of, of making you feel a connection between two people who never actually share the screen together. I think of this kind of curious um, film that came out a couple of years ago called Bird People, where Josh Charles is in... <laughs> this is the most... You thought that we were going to get super obscure in... What was it? When we were talking about Anurag Kashyap, I think, but... I mean, I think in this episode, we have outdone ourselves in obscure film references. Bird people. (laughs) Anyways, Josh Charles is uh, like this... Josh um, Charles of literally only like Sports Night and The Good Wife fame, I think. That's like, that's really where this actor is known for. He was also in Free Held. (laughs) Oh, right. Free Held. (laughs) Anyways, um, he's uh, an American businessman and he's in a hotel room in... Paris, and he breaks up with his wife over Skype, and it's it's amazing. Like the feeling that you get from from those two performances, and the connection you actually feel between those two people who are only ever talking over Skype, mm-hmm. um, or Locke with Tom Hardy, where he's in a car only talking to people over the phone. But here, you know, I just I don't feel the connection between Zayfeli Khan and Zipika Padukone, and I think one of the big problems is that. You know, they are on opposite sides of the world. And then when they do share screen time, with the exception of, I think, 
that one song in India where they kind of like ride on top of taxis, like that's really lovely. Yeah. And that you kind of feel something. That's when he's essentially cheating on his Swiss girlfriend. Yeah. Other than that, like I just, I, I don't feel the pull between these two people. Mm-hmm. And for this film to work, you have to feel this like magnetism between these two that they are just drawn to each other. Yeah. And you just, you don't get that. Yeah. Um, I would say skip this one. Um, yeah. We watched it for you. <laughs> um, there's another dance sequence that I want to talk about that I was not a huge fan of. This is one in London um, where Saifali Khan meets his Swiss girlfriend. And it just... I was trying to figure out what it said on his shirt. Yeah, that's looked, what I, one it, of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up. But, it looked like a Jack Kirby shirt. Like, yeah, like, okay. So it's this t-shirt, it's this black t-shirt that has some sort of like comic book graphic on it. And then a big gold letter says, The King. Mm-hmm. And I am certain that's a Jack Kirby shirt. Yeah. And I am certain that no one on set knew that. Yeah, well, <laughs> who knows? Well, it's, maybe MT has a lead us. He clearly has an interest in comics, as we know from Tamasha. It would also be cool if maybe Cypher Khan, like Thor or something... <laughs> I think Saif Ali Khan would be an excellent character mm-hmm. in a superhero movie. Like, he'd be, he would be great. I really like Saif Ali Khan. And, you know, we should say, Zubika Padukone and Saif Ali Khan do have chemistry. Watch Cocktail. Yeah, they're great they're in that movie. great in that. You like, know? So we were really excited to see another rom-com, you know, from the guy who made Highway with Zubika Padukone and Saif Ali Khan. I think we were really, like, excited and looking forward to the movie. Yeah. But uh, I think that musical number in London is totally overproduced, right? Um, I mean, overproduced. That's that's a hard thing to throw at a Bollywood musical number because right. there's there's a lot of layers to that. It was okay. Yeah, the music in um in this film and Jab we met was both done by uh, Pritam, uh, who's done a lot of great songs. But here, I didn't. I don't know. I well, I didn't love them. Yeah. Well, speaking of great songs, we at the interval listened to "Here to Body Sad High" from last year's Tamasha, and now Aaron's going to explain. What that movie is. Yes, so Tamasha, the title means spectacle. It's um it's a love story between Topeka Padukone and Ranbir Kapoor, who, as we know, were once together and have since split up. They had been split up by the time they were making this movie, right? Like oh. this is after they've yeah. split up themselves. Yeah, they were split up when they made uh Yajawani Haidawani. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the two romantic comedies that we've seen them in they had already broken off their own romance by the yeah. time that they made. That's that's interesting. But there's a palpable chemistry between Topeka Padukone and Rambir Kapoor. Like it's yeah, no. it's undeniable. I wonder if them being split up <laughs> helps in any way. Like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it certainly that's does. Part in this of why? One. Yeah, I think that it adds a a level to Rambir's performance of potentially feeling. Like an idiot for for uh, cheating on Deepika. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go on. So Rambir plays Ved, who is this. We see him at three stages in his life. I believe about nine years old, about nineteen, and then thirty years old. Yeah. And his entire life, he's been obsessed with. Wait, he's supposed to be nineteen. In that? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Again, the time jumps in this really baffled me. I I I think you you want a concrete way of saying like okay that's like this is where i can point in the time stream as to where this is but i think at least films are a lot more elusive than that especially this one yeah that's i did not get that this was 10 years later anyway it's continue it's quite a while later anyway so he he's always been obsessed with 
stories and storytelling. And growing up, he would pay this old man, this this storyteller, to recount him stories about like Helen of Troy and Sita and Ram, which are all mixed up in a kind of a entertaining way. Yeah. Because the tagline for uh, for this film, which you alluded to earlier, is always the same. Why always the same story? Yeah. And and so this this film tries to kind of I guess break that idea except it's also kind of the same story it's always the same story because it works well, it's always the same story yeah. because we like the structure of love stories and romance yeah anyways um so we kind of the main love story kicks off um after this opening prologue where we see a strange stage production which takes us back in time to Ved's life and then eventually there's we a clown settle. there's a robot i almost stopped the movie <laughs> yeah and then we settle in Corsica, where Ved meets Tara, played by Topeka Padicone, though they do not share names. They mm-hmm. agree that they will pretend to be someone else, only share lies, and you know, what happens in Corsica stays in Corsica. After this vacation, they'll never see each other again. It's a very certified copy if you want to get some more uh, film references into this sure. episode. <laughs> sure. So he pretends to be a character named Don. And she very influenced to be, by you know Sharuk's Don. Yeah, and Devanad. He's he's kind of putting out a very like Devanad type performance, and she pretends to be someone named Mona Darling, who yeah. will like hook Don up or the Interpol officer that he's playing with like some hidden gold in Corsica. Depika is in Corsica because growing up, her favorite comic book was Asterix in Corsica. This is an incredibly charming character. Now. I oh, although one that I love that one that I don't know if it really paid off by the end. I mean, she no, it she, doesn't. She reads it later on, but and she's drawing in it. Yeah, that's weird. Don't that draw in your weird. comics. Don't draw in your comics. That is not good for the resale value. No. Don't draw in your comics. Yeah, I just I mean, who doodles in their comics? Monsters. So Deepika Padacone monster. Super. It's such a random character trait, though, that she's in Corsica because she loves Asterix and Obelix and. That her favorite one is Asterix and Corsica. And she's, it's not like they're going to ancient Roman ruins or anything. No, no. And so they have kind of this uh, whirlwind romance in Corsica that is stunning. It's very enjoyable. Oh my god. The cinematography in this Corsica section I think is jaw-droppingly beautiful. And again, like the energy that Rambir Kapoor mm-hmm. and Topeka Padukone has is so palpable. Like I just, I love this entire first section of this film. I fall completely head over heels for it. Because you're supposed to. Exactly, exactly. You're designed to. Um, but then they, Tara returns to her regular life in India. She leaves like a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. And through, well, not before getting a little something, something from Rambir Kapoor. Even <laughs> yes. though they had agreed that they wouldn't, like, physically fall in love. They do. They do. They, they totally do. do. They do. You, can, you can't, you can't this deny your annoyed, attraction. This apparently annoyed the censors quite a bit. And there are, actually, Deepika says a bunch of things that are bleeped out. Yeah. In, a interesting meta, you know, movie moment that is probably more annoying for people in actual India because they actually just want to know what she's saying. Yeah, I think it's annoying either way. I mean, because instead of they just yeah, there's there's obvious bleeps. It's just it's very it's very strange. But yeah, the censors have claimed that this is the lengthiest kissing scene ever in this film, which I didn't really notice. I'm trying to even remember which kiss they're talking about. If they, unless it's been cut down. I don't know. But I don't. I didn't see any obvious edits. So it, yeah. Indian censorship is 
Something that might be a good episode, actually. Yeah. Things that got censored a lot. Oh, we can finally watch Mastizad. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Topeka Padukone's character, Tara, returns to India, and she discovers that she is not as satisfied. Um, she's lost her spark, and through kind of a very quick... Um, song sequence, and this is where here To Badi Sad High plays. Um, you see her kind of break up with her boyfriend and, you know, kind of fall into a depression and a confusion. She moves to Delhi, if I remember. Eventually, right. she yeah. moves to, to Delhi and she, you know, through happenstance. Yeah, through happenstance. No, it's not through happenstance. She goes with the specific intent of finding him. She doesn't go to Delhi with the specific intent no, of finding him. No, she does because. When she was reading his copy of Catch-22, while he was in the shower, she saw the name of the reading club yeah. that he attended. And then she goes, just checking it out. But in the back of her head, it looks like, yeah, I wonder if he's here. Well, exactly. The That's what I was saying. By happenstance, she finds But that's this... not by happenstance. She deliberately wanted to do that. I, I think that's up for debate. Anyways, by happenstance, she finds... The kind of coffee bookshop that she knew that his copy of Catch-22 came from because she saw it in Corsica. And then she starts stalking the coffee shop looking for him. Mm-hmm. That is not happenstance. But I don't think she knows when she goes to Delhi and then that she's going to find him there. The way that uh, Ellie frames her looking up at the sign and how important the, the note was in the book that it is this place. It, it, to me, it's very, very obvious. You think it's still over. She went there trying to find him. Okay. Anyways, she eventually does cross paths with Ved. They reveal each other's real names. And she finds out that he's not necessarily the man that she fell in love with in Corsica. He is much more... Boring. Normal. Uh, and and Rambir Kapoor's appearance changes quite drastically. I think he put on weight. Yeah, he's got more of a tummy in Corsica. He, I mean, he looks like, like this fun, cool guy. He's got, like, kind of stubble and, you know, really charming... But the VED, cool the VED that she meets, you know, a decade-ish later, uh, you know, is bound by his desk job. He has kind of a terrible goatee, mm-hmm. wears a tie and a sweater vest, and kind of goes through the same routine to go to work every day. He kind of kowtows to his boss. Yeah. And calls him boy. And they start up a romance, but eventually Topeka Padukone says, you know, like, something is wrong here, and this causes VED to... Well, it's not something is wrong. It's like, when are you going to stop being this lame guy? Where's the cool guy? Yeah. And this. And it almost, like, it has a tinge of mental illness. Like, it does. She, oh, definitely. She is, like, completely confused as to why they're not being fun again. Yeah. When he was just pretending. Exactly. And this causes Ved to essentially have a crisis. Mm-hmm. He, he has a crisis. he doesn't care for himself either. And this crisis kind of shocks his system, and he changes his life. Yeah. Um, this is a really... You know, the first time I saw this film, I thought it was kind of messy. Um, it is messy. I agree. And the second it's, time it's I saw this film... It's completely overindulgent. Yeah. The second time I saw this film, I was aware of how messy it was, but it didn't bug me as much as the first time. It's... Um... It's overindulgent in the best ways and also the worst ways. Right. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, we were watching this, I compared it to Forgetting Sarah Marshall, the story anyway, mm-hmm. where you have to take on, um, you know, on faith that the art that the person is producing in the world of the movie is actually popular and good. Oh, because yeah. Because 
what what eventually happens is Ved becomes a theatrical artist, starts doing kind of one-man shows, and eventually turns into a big theatrical spectacle. And then we end up getting back to where the movie starts, which is a clown telling a robot, you know, <laughs> you need to quit your job. Which is so off-putting to me, just this terrible stage production of complete uh, and utter banality of, you know... Oh, wait, going to work every day makes you somewhat robotic? Who would have thought that you actually just have to kind of take it as given that, okay, this is this is something that people would actually go see? Yeah, there's always that kind of weird disconnect whenever you see films about artists where I'm never entirely sure how we're supposed to understand the art's popularity in, like, the diegetic world created by the film. This is actually something <laughs> that came up while watching the other MTS LE film that we're not talking about. Is oh, Rockstar. Rockstar. Which we didn't really Which like is actually quite similar to this, though, featuring Rambir Kapoor, mm-hmm. and he even starts dressing similarly once he's uh, become, you know, an artist and not a tortured dope who always wanted to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Once, once he becomes basically Bono, which is, that's his end goal in rock stars, to be Bono. Um, but like... Who doesn't want to be Bono? Me. Oh. I don't want to be Bono. Right. Um, but uh, Tamasha is really interesting because in a way to try and I think normalize the changes in tone and structure and art design, set design, dancing, everything. It tries to actually make these fit within the framework of reality by having them be theatrical productions mm. or memories and like all like uh in the world of uh him as a nine-year-old listening to this old man tell him stories you also get kind of scratchy uh film stock mythological stories mm. with uh, ravana the ten-headed guy and i think he's menacing sita so at times of great stress, that it cuts to this, and you see this for a second, then it switches back. And this is completely indulgent, but it also kind of works. It does. I, like, the back half of this film really starts to kind of jump around in timelines, and there's a lot of character shifts that you're not entirely sure of the motivation, and it could be really disorienting. But, and it is very self-indulgent, like you said. Especially say. once you see, like, again, I, I, I hate being such a literalist, but you're supposed to believe that Rambir Kapoor is like 17, 19, 20, but he always looks the same. So he looks the same when he's in high school. He looks the same when he's gone to college and he's frustrated because he's been pushed into math. Actually, but, no, I think there's more subtle shifts in his appearance than you're giving the film credit for. I mean, by the time he's... A ved and in his mid thirties or whatever, he does look a little older and dumpier. Yeah, but it is like putting him in a school uniform, giving him like a schoolboy scarf that he's got on or something, and you know, it it is a it is specifically showing not telling of, you know, I'm sad, I'm no good at math, damn math. It, well, exactly, it is showing not telling, and I think that's part of why I admire it. Like it, it all kind of like. Again, it can be really disorienting, but when you're in it, but, but when it, you it's kind show, of it's, get to the yeah. breaking point, I think you you understand. You have kind of a clearer, intuitive picture of what this young man has gone through, and 
what he now means, like how he now is going to break out of this. What does it say about me that I could think that every Imtiaz Ali film is kind of autobiographical? Like they wear their heart on their sleeve so hard that. Well, and they are oftentimes about people wanting to pursue artistic. Yeah, because in Jabwe Mad, we didn't really say, but it's it's a minor note that Shahi uh, Kapoor's character wanted to be a singer. And he, right. he sings a song at a Punjabi wedding. This is an afternote, but you know, he's pretty good. Um, but it is, these movies are so incredibly earnest mm-hmm. that I kind of feel like maybe the director is trying to tell me things about himself. And I kind of don't like that. It's just, it's way too on the nose on every single thing. I don't know. Highway, but... is, the, highway is the exception because it actually does feel like a young woman's story. Whereas all of these are young men's stories. Yeah. Except I... Jabby Met when it switches around. I don't know if I necessarily... Well, but I also think there's long sections in Tamasha that spend with uh, Topeka. Those are the parts I like the best because I liked her better as a character. I didn't really care about Ved. They really give like her character texture and I think you do empathize with Topeka Patacone's character. Again, I don't think she's a man pixie dream girl. No, but she, Um, she like potentially is mentally ill in that either she's built up this... uh, this adventure that she had in Korska so much over the course of her life that like she can't cannot accept that uh, Ved was putting on a character that he was pretending, even though he's literally saying he's Don. Like, yeah. she can't possibly believe that that's what was really happening. They were just flirting, and she didn't seem to get that. Well, but don't like don't you think sometimes there are experiences and relationships with people that stick with you over time? They do, but you should also be able to notice when. These relationships were not being, you know, intended as reality. I but mean, she just... was noticing that, I mean, from her perspective, he was putting on the disguise um, as Ved, the kind of office guy. And I think by the end of the film, he agrees with her that he was. I guess, He but... agrees with her that he was repressing his true nature in order to, like, fulfill his parents' wishes and, like, yeah. be a good employee. I mean, this is a trope of romantic films that... A character is inevitably broken until someone changes them. And I think this is done just way too literally. Yeah, but I also... I think it, I think it's deeper than your standard um, kind of surface-level romantic comedy that, like, professes so much about love but doesn't actually show it, doesn't actually it like, certainly, get to the yeah. kind of internal lives of the characters. And I think Imtiaz Ali is almost interested in the internal lives of his characters to a fault. Like, that's almost all he's interested in. Yes. And yeah. the relationship works a lot better here than it does in Love Edge Call. Yeah. You can see why they liked each other so much in Corsica because we also like them better then. And the experience of them working through, you know, 10 years of not, you know, liking who they ended up being is not entirely enjoyable. No, it's it's not. But I think it's relatable. I think it's empathetic. And I think it it's, it's about something um, that's very real that a lot of people deal with. And I, I can't... I mean, I agree with you that Imtiaz Ali is wearing his heart in his sleeve, but I can't quite um, fault him for that, you know? I mean, what else was Hitchcock doing other than, like, you know, masturbating his own kind of, like, well, psychoanalytic... He- Issues what with I'm saying steely is that blondes on screen. Hitchcock had engaging mystery stories on top of that, though. Okay. It's not always just, I'm a sad artist, a girl will save me. Mm. 
But I am interested in Ali's perspective. I think he is a unique voice in Bollywood. Yeah, I remember when we started this podcast, we were kind of arguing about uh, um, auteurism. And you could definitely see with Ali that yeah. there are certain things that he wants to work through. Same thing with yeah. uh, SLB. Maybe with Ram Global Pharma, I don't know. We haven't watched enough of him yet. But, yes, uh, if you want to take an auteurist view of Bollywood cinema, Imitaz, Intiaz Ali would be an excellent person to start with. Yeah, I, I agree. And Sanjay Leela Bansali. They, actually, there is the sense of constraint around their main characters in both oofs mm-hmm. that you could potentially write a paper on or something like well and i think that's a reflection of kind of modern urban living i mean yeah don't we see that in in similar things like scott pilgrim i guess a little bit yeah um i think that brings us uh to the end of our show today yeah which which film out of these three would you oh we should say we keep forgetting to say um how we get a hold of each film yeah in case you're wondering if you want to watch one of these yourself and tell us we're wrong or Agree with us, you know, how would someone go about doing that? Yeah, so um, Jab We Met and Love Ajakal, we both rented um, from our local library. But I'm pretty sure Love Ajakal is on iTunes as well. I, I'm not entirely sure if they're both available, but um, they should be. And then Tamasha, we watched on Butterflix, which is a uh, Bollywood streaming service. Um, out of Ontario that has a lot of new Bollywood releases and, and you can stream them for free. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're totally legal. I highly recommend Butterflix. Don't understand why it's legal, <laughs> but I will take it. Uh, we also don't understand why it's called Butterflix, but we'll, we'll Popcorn? Also... I don't know. Do they eat popcorn in Indian movie theaters? Who knows? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. If you know what uh, snacks are available in Indian movie theaters, please let us know. Yeah. We'd love to, to, to try and eat some one day when we watch a Bollywood movie. A Bollywood movie about cooking. <laughs> you could make some Bollywood snacks. Yeah. Bollywood movie snacks. We'll I, that sounds like a good episode to me. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, so we will be back in a couple of weeks. To a fortnight. A fortnight, yes. Um, where we're going to be discussing uh, three Salman Khan films that are all currently on the list of the top Hindi, the top grossing Hindi films of all time. Um, we're trying to make our way through that entire list, so at some point we've discussed every single film. And we've uh, seen most of them. We've seen a lot of them, yeah. yeah. Um, but as, you know, like currently these are some of the most popular Bollywood films uh, out there, you know, we want to make sure we discuss them. And so we're going to be looking at Kick, Prem Ratantan Bayo, and Bajrani Bajan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah. A Salman Khan triple bill. He's going to punch some people. There's going to be, be so much testosterone in yeah. the air. He's going to be charming. We'll get to see the biceps. It's going to be good. And there are three kind of different kinds of films because... Um, Pramat Santambayo is, is more of a romance. Kick is more of an action film. And Bajrani Bajan is very much like a social message type, type movie. So we'll three, see three different sides of Salman Khan as well. I think he's got range. I mean, he was good in Veer. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and if you want to know what we think of Veer or Sawaria, please check out the movie Jerks. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll link to it on our Twitter and our Tumblr and everything. Once so. it's available. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, as I just said... We have a Tumblr page, bollywoodisforlumbers.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. You can also look us up on Facebook and interact with us there. We have little you know, conversations that happen after each episode. You can comment on the picture Aaron's going to put up for this one. 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bollywood Pod. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm Matt Aaron E. Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. Yeah, you can, um, you probably got this via iTunes or your podcatching device on your phone, but uh, we always really appreciate it if you leave us a review there. We'll read it on air and try and piece together who you are. <laughs> um, and we're also available on SoundCloud and, yeah. Stitcher. Stitcher, not SoundCloud, Stitcher. SoundCloud, maybe. Anyone interested, let me know. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.